0: It's just a journey of yourself to your highest sense of self that you know that who you are in essence is the same being as every manifest being. On the form level, every being is unique and completely different. But the essence behind it It's all that same being. And that's when you you come to know that, then the guidance that is given is you're always giving it for that changing field to know that it, it will always continually change. But the one who knows this, that forever is unchanging. And that can guide the changing so that you could really embrace your own joy and your own happiness, and you shine that to the whole world around you. Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your
1: host, Bobby, here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path. Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Welcome back to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm so delighted to share this week's episode with you. It's delightful, it's inspiring, it's so spot on with all the intentions I have for this podcast. So an honor to introduce Shelly Astroff, a master of meditation and self-proclaimed peace pioneer. I love that. She has a Master's of Education and holds a Certificate of Advanced Studies in Yoga Science, Vedant Philosophy, and the Theory and Practice of Meditation. Shelley is also an author of a series of books and teaching methods to foster children's meditation and yoga through stories. She is also a teacher of the Bhagavad Gita, which is actually why I invited her on the show today. Many of you know the Gita as the sacred text which holds profound teachings on life and spirituality. We explore her wisdom of the Gita in today's delightful conversation. We really go deep into the teachings of meditation in the Gita and exactly how meditation can transform our lives from a young age and the total relevance of the Gita's lessons for modern day living and just how to apply them with utmost joy and clarity. Shelly really inspires us to go all in for joy and oneness. Enjoy the episode, friends. Welcome, Shelly, to A Curious Yogi Podcast. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. (laughs) I'm really excited. Yeah, it's so nice to get to spend a little time together. And I know we're both the type of people that just love to get into the space and talk about these deep topics and keep the awareness high. And I just love that and appreciate that about you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And same to you here, wherever you go, there's always sunshine. So that's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. So
1: I will, I will read your bio for the listeners, but In short, you're a master meditator. You've been living in the Himalayas for most of your life. You're an author. You're a teacher. Like, you've had this whole life experience that's really been inspired by the base of your sadhana of your spiritual life so maybe in I know it's hard to put your whole life story into a few minutes but if you can let us know how and why you came onto this path and how you've stayed inspired all these years like what is it 40 years you've been meditating and living this life
0: um yeah about 45 years yeah I um the very beginning was in uh the middle 1970s and my husband was in mba school i know this sounds really mundane but he saw a sign on uh, on the wall of the university and it said improve your marks learn to meditate <laughs> and he came home and he said i'm going to a meeting And I was um, I was an elementary school teacher at the time in Montreal in the it was actually in the inner city. And um, and I thought, wow, that's interesting, because I was a little skeptical, you could say. And um, I thought that now meditation at that time was, I mean, people barely knew how to spell the word. It wasn't very well known what it was. And we had a school psychologist and we started to document meditation with children three days a week. And we found a profound change in the children on those three days. They were very settled and focused. And in fact, on the days that they meditated, I don't know if people do this in schools anymore, but we did penmanship because they were so focused and um, they kind of didn't want to do math or anything social. And um, they had the most beautiful penmanship, that class. So fast forward, I found that meditation didn't only improve marks, it didn't only create a a very easy social situation for school-age children. But it started to create a brightness in the intellect. I went on to do um, a master's in education and my teacher and guru was very much wanting um, me to be educated. And um, when I completed that, He said, one day you will write a program for children and you will put it all together. And the other uh, thing that he was recommending was that I study the Bhagavad Gita. So many years later, um, my life that was of the West and my life that was of the East all came together. and, uh, And I wrote a book about teaching meditation to children. And, um, and here I am talking to you. (laughs) Wow. It's so beautiful to
1: hear someone that's lived such a full life. You know, you're educated, you've lived in the world, your mother, you, you have all these, identifications or qualifications in the world of such a measure of success. And somehow you've managed to put your work and your life into symbiosis. And I think for people listening, that's such an inspiring point to focus on because we have a tendency to separate things and say like, this is my spiritual life, my meditation. This is my, my work and my responsibility. But you've managed to sort of merge everything
0: together in the way that you live well it's it's what's interesting about that is wherever i go i meet. <laughs> and when people come to recognize that wherever they go that's who they are they're always there and yes maybe you have to wear a different hat if you if you when you're when you're a mother and when you're a teacher or When you're a cook, you have to wear different hats, but you're always you. And if you stay in touch with that you, then you're always just being you and and the performance is going on. But you're being you. Yeah. I mean, there's so
1: much there that I want to get into, and we will, but I think it's also interesting to take a point to just reflect on also the importance of what you said that you recognize in your in those school children in the 70s, the impact of meditation, when we think of like the world that we live in now, where children are having higher rates of attention deficit and OCD and anxiety and depression and there's so much stress on young people and kids with social media and all this like how actually timeless that teaching of meditation is and to teach and inspire and give kids the tools at a young age now so that they can know I'm me without all of that like I think that's so important, what you're doing with your work. And I know we can talk a little bit about exciting project that you have coming up, but that's so like, it's like a such a key point that feels like we've missed in the education system.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because who you are, in essence, doesn't change. And every being is that me like they every being says, I, or me, and they're always referring to themselves. But they're always saying it's their body, and it's their mind. But that changes. So if you think about when you were like three, and somebody shows you a picture of you when you were three, and you know that that's you you know that that's not your neighbor. <laughs> You're very sure of that. And you see a picture of you when you were six and nine and 10 and, and throughout. Now your hair is different. Your nails are different. Your skin cells are different. Your teeth are different. Everything has changed. Even your thoughts are different. Your um, what, interests you has changed but what is it that knows that that's you and that's the you that doesn't change that's the you that's eternal and that you which is the essential you that's the part that doesn't die but the point of it not dying is the fact that it actually was never born It was what came into appearance was the body and the mind and the understanding and that blossomed during what we call our lifetime. But the essence of who every being is, is that pure, free, forever, unchanging. And when we're in touch with that, we can have that kind of fullness because we're, we we don't stay bound and confined by that which changes. If somebody said, you know, you're like this on Monday, and maybe on Tuesday, you're not like this. So why do I have to carry that with me? And so just being me all the time, it, it's a lot more challenging than people think to be that me and to be solid in that me that doesn't change and yet embrace the changes because you know it's part of who we are also but knowing that it's what changes and doesn't stay with us
1: so what is it then in the growth of a human being we have this whole lifespan and we all have that innate awareness i am me and yet we fixate so much of our self-identification on my parents my job my likes my friends my not friends so we have this here the center of our being and yet it goes out so how do we bring it back like what brings us out and how do we bring it back
0: so when children when children come into existence they they bring everything with them. It's not like their toe is born and then their ear comes. (laughs) The, (laughs) The whole baby comes and slowly and slowly the mind develops and the senses start coming into focus. And it's that kind of reaching outward. And then comes that march that comes inward to know that the one who's doing the march, the one who's living the life is the one that doesn't change. And you have to stop the senses or pause the senses for periods of time, not for long. It could be um, when I do meditation with children, I actually start off with 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And. It's, it's just stopping everything and going, wait, just pause for a minute and then just do, you know, like an inventory. <laughs> um, am I what's what's happening? My mind is changing. My breath is moving. My thoughts are moving. My legs are here. And then if you close your eyes which is the first sense to bring you out, and you just pause. And in that pause, you touch something within. And all you have to know is just anytime you're feeling um, down or challenged, just pause. Take a breath and wait because the breath is related to the functioning of the mind. As the breath moves in and moves out, the mind functions like that. And that pause, that kumbhak in between, that is the state of your pure self or what we would call that knower state of consciousness. Because that part doesn't move. It doesn't come and it doesn't go. And just pinpointing that. And then you just get up and you go, okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Let's go. Well, when you were speaking, I was thinking
1: of just yesterday, or a couple days ago, I was talking about meditation with a friend. And she was saying, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. And I said, I'll try starting with three minutes and then she messaged me i think i started with 30 seconds so i think it's it's good
0: for adults to start there too one thing about meditation is it's your gift it's it's um people shouldn't push it or push it on people it's it's really a gift um and it's a gift of your own self to yourself and people have to be ready for it so um I think it's wonderful that people encourage people and when they're ready they'll do it. Mhm.
1: Yeah, I've heard some people say that meditation can't really be taught, it's more of an experience. Like what do you think about that?
0: I I do think it's both because the experience of it for sure is um Having the experience of your own self, but I think I do think that there's guidance and there's understanding. I think sometimes people could get fearful uh, and or they could um, not understand. And I think I think just having um, I think having guidance is always a good thing. But mm-hmm. definitely it's your own experience to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. There are different meditations for different uh I found for different purposes. For me, if I'm emotional and I've got like an emotional issue, pranayam is definitely centers and focuses me. When I'm writing or when I was Um, In school, mantra meditation made my mind so sharp that after I'd meditate, whatever I'd read and take and I'd take my notes, everything stayed. So that for me, mantra meditation was really good for my marks. (laughs) (laughs) But there's so many types of meditation. And I think that that's where the guidance comes in and to meditate for knowing you're pure free forever that's a meditation where you're watching um, you're watching the construct of your own mind and then you have to know who's doing that watching and when you start on that path that's a whole other kind of meditation that's a meditation um We would call it meditation on the knower or sham meditation, where um, you're piercing through that whole human condition. So meditation is excellent for so many different things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's very practical and very portable. Yeah, we can
1: take it anywhere. Yeah, like, it's interesting, because I'm hearing you speak. And like, really, what you're speaking about is that, like, power of meditation, which brings us to the center. Like to, I, I heard my teacher, our teacher one time describe yoga as getting to the center of immortality. And it feels like, or it seems like the only pathway to that is through meditation. And yet, And now meditation is becoming so much more popular and mainstream. Now there's apps and there's so many teachers and platforms and communities, which is amazing. But it seems sometimes we get stuck up on the mindfulness element or the yoga element where what you're explaining seems like, like I loved what you said, piercing through. Like that's really where the heart of it, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. For For this meditation but a person has to want to pierce through it's a very very strenuous work it it might look um it might not look that way because you know you're not you know moving a shovel and you're not maybe at a typewriter or or at a computer but you're tackling the, the moving parts of your being. I mean, imagine the challenge. Now, this would be an amazing challenge. If, if you could challenge people, could you keep yourself happy for one week? <laughs> one Just one week. How about one day? <laughs> like, can you do that? And, and we're this kind of meditation brings it not to happy as opposed to unhappy, but it brings you to a place of that evenness inside before being happy before being unhappy before um, the manifestation of all of that, when that's the center of who you are, which is before birth after death, but it's, it's taking place in that in the moment of the waking state as well. But it's not in the waking state of consciousness. It's a state of consciousness that can happen in meditation where where um, the piercing like as if you pierce through, and you go into that fourth state of consciousness and it's called the fourth state because the first three are the waking state the dream state and the deep sleep and the waking state and dream state all involve your mind and the dream state um it sorry the dream state involves the mind the waking state involves the mind and the deep sleep state the mind is quiet but you don't know anything Like there's so you're actually quite at peace. But the state of meditation, which is the fourth state, it's the state where there's complete awareness, complete alertness, but you're out of the state. It's like as if you're awake and asleep and dreaming all at the same time. And you're knowing that.
1: That's such a beautiful description of true peace which is beyond that state of mind and when and then when you you said that about being happy for a week I think too a lot of people it's not even being happy but not suffering for a week or not getting affected by a week for a day like there's I think people too that are tuning into a podcast like this have reached a sort of state of disillusionment with the world and the suffering that we experience as humans that we're ready to go deeper to we, some, we don't even have the language like what is peace like where yes. how do we get there you know
0: yeah well imagine i just want to explain the the knower state from what you were saying i just got inspired by that imagine that you have like a canvas if you're an artist and you're about to paint your picture you cannot paint your picture unless you have a canvas so what you paint changes your colors change your brush strokes change what what you uh the objects that you're going to paint change but the canvas on which you are painting your life that canvas is the knower you sleep on that you dream on that and you wake on that but you are the canvas of your own life so when you come to know that you're actually your own you're actually the artist of your own life it's fun
1: it's a very inspiring or like yes i want to reach for that and i think that's a perfect segue when and also when i was thinking about your mantra improve the mark or improve your marks learn to meditate and And just how, in general, meditation improves our lives, whether we're ready to pierce through the ego and the intellect or whether we just want to pacify the mind to have some pause in the day. But I'm wondering if we can switch now to talking about the Bhagavad Gita and how that book and that not book, that teaching, that scripture, that Mahavakya can show us that even in this
0: day and age. Absolutely, it it is it is timeless wisdom, and it it's so special in so many ways because it's actually addressing the human condition, and the human condition has not changed, and so that's what makes it um, so valuable and uh, relevant for today. So it was it was written as a song and there are very cute background stories to it um but basically it was it was a song and it has two meters to it one is 7 meters and one is 11 meters and it's written in sanskrit and it's said that if you, even if you don't know what it means, if you pronounce the words and say the words over and over again, it just the vibrate the sound vibration will release that um, that kind of binding sense that binds the human condition in the mind and the body. But if you know the meaning and you study it that way you have even more um, opportunity. So I I love singing the Gita. I love kind of um, going through all the word for word. I'll, I'll give you a, an interesting verse, and it's very much what we were talking about. It's um, It's from chapter 2, and it's verse 13, for anybody who's interested in looking it up and i'll just quickly sing it it goes Dehi he nohas minyata gay hey koh ma yovanam chara ta ta day han chara tiras tatra namayati and What this verse is addressing, it's a dialogue, but this verse is addressing. So the dialogue okay is Krishna who's representing that knower state of consciousness. And he's speaking to his own mind in the form of Arjun who's got himself into quite the muddle. And you know. It's he's in his family's dysfunctional. Nobody gets along and everybody's fighting. And now they're at war. (laughs) Who doesn't have a family like that? If you don't, (laughs) congratulations. (laughs) So so the mind is always asking its own higher self. How do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? Now I'm scared. Now I'm I don't know what to do. My cousin's like this. My brother's like that. And that verse in itself is telling him that the indweller self, the one inside of you and each one is forever unchanging. And it's even after the body meets its end. So that indweller is forever unchanging, but it's there while dwelling in the body and witnesses childhood, youth, old age, But that never changes. That indweller never changes. And the one who knows this fact about the self, about the knower, about the indweller, that one is wise. And that one never becomes the victim of deception. And the deception comes from the changing field of mind, which today tells you, he said bad things about me and the next day you find out no they didn't really say that they said it like this and not like that this is telling you trust yourself don't trust the deception that will always come Mm -hmm. and always go with your own knowing being
1: yeah it it's like i haven't studied the Gita so extensively, but I have read it and always refer to it, and it it does seem like it is a kind of a guidepost for for me as yes, a yogi and a meditator and also a human that's navigating these waves of life. and like you were talking about before, like having emotions arise. And how there's so many teachings that are there in the Gita in different chapters, different paths one can take, and and it's like there's kind of something there for everybody. But for somebody that hasn't really got into the Gita yet or is not sure where to begin, like where does one begin to study
0: this or or explore it? Well, I teach the Gita. There are many, so many. Um so many people who, um, who are very knowledgeable. And um, I truly believe that when you have that wish, that is pure, it will be fulfilled, because the Gita is the promise of, um, of the knowing state of consciousness to its own mind. But if if anyone wants to begin to study the Gita, I would say first buy a book and talk to Bobby. Bobby's <laughs> got a lot going on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, I, I do think it's interesting because it's such like a fundamental scripture to study as someone that's living and teaching yoga in the West. However, so many yoga teachers and practitioners aren't really familiar with it so there's like I know that like that beautiful verse that you read could and sang I can thank you that was so nice could really encompass the whole Gita but can you touch on a few other key
0: points or teachings that are there oh of course so we have we have Arjun, who's the representation of the mind. And as I said, he got himself into quite the situation. And it's a story of all this dysfunction going on. So he wants to know about action. He starts off wanting to know about action. And he needs to act. He he needs to deal with the situation. And so Krishna is telling him about action. But then he said, but what about knowledge? And then he starts talking about knowledge that, in fact, you can't have. If you can't, you can just act, but if you don't have knowledge, then your action won't be fulfilling to you. You won't uh, get any kind of outcome that you want but if you have knowledge and no action well then you're going to do nothing <laughs> so you have to you have to have proper action and proper knowledge and there's a point where at one point he he says to him that you have to know that the knowledge and the action it's coming from your mind. And early on, which is in the sixth chapter, he actually imparts to Arjun that you have a mind and if you, which is um, fidgety, it's always moving. And in that chapter, he teaches him to meditate. And um, and he talks about how you still the mind so that you can be open for knowing your own true nature, which is Krishna, which is himself his higher self talking to his mind. It's no one talking to anyone else. It's not somebody else giving you advice who doesn't know you. It's your own self giving that advice to you, and sometimes it can come in the form of another person. So the Gita moves along, and Arjuna keeps asking many different questions. He asks about, well, what happens when the body when the body is going? So Krishna spends a whole chapter just talking about you have to know that the body comes and the body goes but the one who knows this is always there. And he goes through a whole bunch more chapters like that. And um, then he goes directly into a state of knowledge that you have to ground yourself in that state of pure understanding, and become that. And when he's saying, there's a point where he says towards the end that you're, you surrender your changing mind, like all that changes. If you could cha- surrender that to, for a period of time to your higher self, then you will always be guided and know how to live your life. And that is the victory that you will achieve in your lifetime. So it's, it's just a journey of yourself to your highest sense of self that you know that who you are, in essence, is the same being as every manifest being on the form level Every being is unique and completely different. It needs to eat for itself and think for itself and walk for itself. But the essence behind it, it's all that same being. And that's when you you come to know that, then the guidance that is given is you're always giving it for that changing field to know that it it will always continually change but the one who knows this that forever is unchanging and that can guide the changing so that you could really embrace your own joy and your own happiness and you shine that to the whole world around you because a smile is very contagious <laughs> wow
1: what a beautiful encompassing uh, of the energy and the jewel that it is the Gita. And when you were speaking about that, that it's not a conversation between two separate beings, I think that's such a good point to highlight for people or seekers that are really looking for some deeper truth. And I think one of the best pieces of advice about the Gita I ever received was to read the Gita as Krishna, because we have the tendency when we are bound in that human condition like you said to like have to think that the answer is outside of ourselves i need help i need the teacher i need someone to tell me something but actually when we read it as krishna that innate wisdom that is in us because it is us is there to be revealed but it's soft and we have to quiet the mind like you said when krishna is teaching arjun to meditate like when we come into that space then we have The brilliance and the resilience to let the the knowledge come from
0: within exactly exactly because it's all there we we came into this world with it (laughs) and and we're just we're just here um my teacher used to call the waking state the long dream (laughs) And you wake up from that long dream to that knower's state of consciousness. And that's when you can live your life in joy and delight and radiance and uh, just like you're doing. (laughs) Well, I'm here. That's why I'm on the path. I'm I'm hell-bent
1: or (laughs) heaven-bent on finding that joy. And I think, you know, having these conversations and having satsang and and surrounding ourselves with other beings who are inspired on this path to go deeper into that more esoteric or unpopular or not status quo way of viewing this human experience is also so important because we can't do it alone like even though we appear to be separate, when when we come together, we feel that oneness, that we feel that oneness that Arjun feels with Krishna because he's at the end when it's such a happy ending as well, the Gita, because Arjun realizes and recognizes Krishna is my own highest self. And, and he's just totally elated because his problems, they appear to be there, but he is at peace.
0: Yes, because because Arjun's Arjun's in quite the fix, and when he decides to go to Krishna for help, it's in the Mahabharata just before the Gita begins. The Gita is a book within the Mahabharata, which is the whole story. And if anybody's interested in a uh, hundred thousand verses and and the the best crazy story of dysfunction and everything. <laughs> it's really a fabulous, fabulous story. But but he's he's feeling very hard done by by his cousins. And he's he's had it. You know, and you just reach your breaking point, you say that's it. He goes to Krishna, his cousin goes to Krishna and they go, um, okay, now we're gonna have a war. And the Gita is written Because on the battlefield, Arjun decides that, uh uh-oh, what did I do? (laughs) He freaks out. And he goes, oh, my God, what's going on? And basically, Krishna tells him, when you came to me, you were one with me. You knew what to do. You knew that you had to end that kind of evil doing of your cousins you knew how you had to do it but now you by seeing them on the battlefield now you've gotten influenced by them so the whole Gita is bringing Arjun back to his courage and his bravery because he's supposed to be like you know the the best archer and the best um, warrior And here he is, you know, like fainting in the chariot going, ah, I'm scared. (laughs) And this is his own higher self going, listen, you're, you know who you are. Don't, don't be that cowering in the bottom of the chariot. Like, and, and I know like for myself, I have to say that if, you know, somebody might say something to me or something may happen and I just go, Like, are you really going to think that? (laughs) Like, like, are their words so powerful that your entire being and your entire joy is going to crumble because somebody said something? Like, seriously? That is the value of the Gita in my everyday life. I love the story. But more than that, my teacher always said. You have it has to be your life's work. It's a great story, and I love stories, but I had to make it my own. It was my Gita. It was my Arjun, and it was my Krishna, and it was me. Arjun and Krishna was me because I'm the one who read it. Yeah. Wow.
1: I love that because when you think of it as a life's work, it means that we live it. It means that we don't just read it and meditate on it and then step into the world and get affected or be a bully or this and that. Like actually, and I think too, when when I think of like being a yoga teacher out in the world, that's something that's often spoke about that we have to live what we experience in the practice. We have to live what Krishna is teaching us. And yet somehow, just like Arjun, we get we see the sense of duality, the sense of separateness. We at one point felt fearless and untouchable. And then and then something comes and a a wave arises and we get affected like we just do. But that's the brilliance. And I love what you said that we have to make it ours, like the teaching and take it into our own life and apply it like that's kind of. Maybe where it's like, oh, here's this beautiful, spiritual, esoteric scripture, this ancient story about this and that. But then how to actually take it into our lives so we can be happy and joyful and it spreads and it's contagious and we create more oneness and harmony in the world. It's kind of like, seems like, you know, the antidote to the world of war and division that we
0: live in. (laughs) It is. It is. but but what you have to do is you don't put your book on the shelf and walk away you wear your book you carry your book you carry your knowledge you are that and you can't ever put it down the minute you put it down somebody's always there to pinch (laughs) (laughs) yeah I definitely I can
1: attest to that feeling the pinch (laughs) But I guess that's why then, too, like the daily practice, the sadhana is so essential for anyone that's, like you said, really sincere or seeking or pure in their earnestness to have a deeper truth in life that we can't just practice sometimes and do this sometimes. Like it's really essential to have that daily meditation or reading a scripture going to yoga or whatever it is that's your path and that's another thing in the gita there's he reveals so many paths that there's something there for everyone if we choose our path we step on it with commitment and what's on the on that path is that joy that you're speaking
0: of and and there are many paths and they're always changing like sometimes you're you're in action and you're doing awesomes And sometimes you're studying and you're in a gyan yoga or sometimes you're singing and you get into this whole devotional aspect and they're not different paths. It's all you. You have Mm -hmm. so many different parts of you. So it's your good food, your good action, keeping your body fit and healthy and really good company, Mm -hmm. really good company. Because nothing can spoil (laughs) a good meal like an insult at the end of the meal. (laughs) It's like, oh, God. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, even when we can think of Arjun and his cousins and the battlefield and everything, when we are in that company of people that are really rooted in a sense of, Rog and Dweish and this and that and right and wrong and it's like a contagious so it's such a power that we have with you know our we do have that free will to step towards good community good company so important I love that you highlighted that
0: the the interesting thing is it always appears that the bad company it's like gravity it's like heavy and and it's powerful however the good company is more subtle, but it's actually more powerful. But you have to look for it. Mm-hmm. It's not as obvious. And that's why you have to close your eyes. Mm-hmm. So if if anything like really, you know, happens and you just you just need to center yourself, like if you feel a little ripple that, you know, sort of rip through you. <laughs> and if you just pause. And close your eyes, if you if. The situation allows it and regroup you can breathe or say a mantra 30 seconds will do it it's not (laughs) the amount of time it's the connection so if you can even think of it and and you connect then you're already there Mm -hmm. but you just you can't put that book back on the shelf you have to wear it
1: Mm And I guess it's like a muscle too. like that muscle gets strengthened over time where where it doesn't even become a habit. It's just second nature that if I get affected, I know this is where I go. I have the discernment to know this is where I put myself. But it's like strengthening the muscle. We have to first take the steps to take the lessons and start to apply them. Absolutely.
0: But I have to say that um, when some effect comes, the more that you've meditated and you've practiced, the quicker the response comes. So when you might have spent, you know, six months dwelling over something somebody said to you, and you found out that you heard wrong. (laughs) Like now it might be I don't know fifteen minutes, half an hour, you know, go, oh God, really <laughs> like the 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 amount of time spent in um misery decreases a lot <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and I, and too, before, like earlier, you were talking a lot about like the nature of the mind, and it's always changing, like the waking state is changing, and the more that we come to that. Knower consciousness of unchanging, the the easier it is kind of to pick up on. Oh, that's just my mind, which is changing. So therefore, it's not even true. It can't. What's changing can't be true. So then it's like the recovery is so much faster. And I know I've felt it in my life in the last nine years since meditating regularly that I'm still highly sensitive, but I'm less (laughs) sensitive than I was before. I'm still me. But I can recover faster from those ripples or those waves
0: that come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's um, it works. All I can say is that it works. And the mind. One of the things that Krishna is imparting to Arjun is that the mind can be your worst enemy. Or you can make it your best friend. So, if you you have to embrace it and know that it's always your mind that's giving you that perception, and make it your friend, so that you know it's not going to bring you into the dumps, because all the mind wants to do is is um, you know, be, be the king of the castle. It wants, it it wants you to believe everything it tells you. And the only thing that the mind is, is that receptacle that takes everything from the senses, all the senses come and all the input goes into the mind. And that's where it gets its information always from the outside. And then what it does is it kind of chews over it and Um, From the experiences of the family and everything. And then it has the intellect that goes, it kind of sorts it. I like this. I don't like that. This is okay. This isn't okay. It kind of goes back and forth. And, and every mind does this. And, but everybody likes different things. So, you know, you don't, you like chocolate, you like strawberry, you know, But it doesn't make one right or wrong. The intellect does all this sorting from what, from all the input that the mind has in. And then you have the ego and the ego, that's the intellect's very important because the ego goes, that's mine. And when that is mine, the ego will own everything that the mind brought in, the intellect sorted and the ego owned. But what's beyond that is the the space, is the self. We could, when I was saying that that knower state is like the canvas that the artist paints on. So the mind gets all the colors, the intellect's got all the drawings, and the ego goes, that's my drawing. But the canvas is like, well, without the canvas, there is no drawing. Um, wow. But it's just very subtle. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's such a good reminder though to embrace the mind and not deny and push it away because it's almost perpetuating duality and suffering if we're fighting against ourselves, but rather embracing the the painting knowing that the canvas has to embrace it. The, the painting can't fight against the canvas and say, no, 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 no. The, there's there's no harmony or oneness there, but the embracing and the it kind of also gives self compassion and forgiveness. That's just my mind. Oh, like it—it it creates more harmony for myself and for that who, the being that's in front of me because I can. I love the way you describe that. I can recognize it's just my own self. It's just my own self with a separate looking mechanism, but it's all me. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, as,
0: so as you're painting your life story, and you know you want to paint all the goring guts and the stuff that's going on that you don't like. Painting is going to happen because it's your life. But, you know, you can go, hmm, maybe I could do a couple of little flowers here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe a horse and a carousel over there. And, you know, an ice cream. <laughs> like you can, you can adjust, make the mind your friend and adjust. Mm. We have the tendency to
1: feel or appear sometimes like we're the victim of our mind or our circumstance. But when we come from that point that we are the painter of our life, it's like it gives the autonomy to know anything is possible because I know it's all being inspired from that knower consciousness from that space of infinite possibility so therefore I'm not a victim to anything I'm actually the creator and the artist and I think that's so powerful for us to remember wherever we are
0: on our journey it's very powerful it's Mm -hmm. very powerful because if you were a victim who would you be a victim to if not yourself (laughs) (laughs) so it's always you putting you down and Mm -hmm. it's like oh really (laughs) yes it's also it
1: it kind of becomes comical sometimes when you look at the whole predicament of this the silly puzzle that we're all trying to figure out here (laughs) yeah yeah well, I I just have loved this conversation, Shelley. It's been so amazing just to hear your wisdom and your expression and your joy and just be in that satsang together. You just are that. And I love you so much for that. And I always love to ask the I love to ask the guests at the end of each episode to leave the listeners with a point of inquiry or a question which we can contemplate ourselves because a lot of times I've heard people asking for guests like, oh, can you leave us with some of your own wisdom? But what can we question to bring up our own wisdom?
0: If you know and you question whatever thoughts come, know that those thoughts are going to go. So, you can, so if your mind needs to be active, then just question it. Oh, oh, I thought about, um, I thought about that stuffed animal over there. And then I didn't. And then I moved away. Like, question it yourself. Like, look at the world as your playground and find the joy in it. But know that it's your joy and it's your world And without you, there is no world. There is no joy. It's only you. And if you can think about that when you see anything, you don't have to think about it when you're happy because you just feel it. But when you're in a more challenging situation, you can think about that. How long is this going to last? another hour maybe a year if it's going to last a year then you can plot how can i make it easier <laughs> but challenge yourself and know that you you don't have the power you are the power and nothing happens to you it happens anything that happens happens because you're there if you're not there How could it happen for you? Like your life happens because of you. (laughs) So enjoy it. And be the, the artist of your life. I love
1: it. It's a beautiful end point. Thank you so much. And if the listeners want to connect with you or take your classes or read your books, maybe any teachers listening want to get involved with the NOAA curriculum, how can we get in touch with
0: you? We have a website called knower.ca. and we have an area for children and an area for adults. And um, we have a fun little Knower club where um you can spend hours just playing around learning from these little characters who teach you different asans different pranayam diff- then they're different meditations so and you can contact me through knower.ca and I love to hear from everybody. Amazing.
1: I feel like knower the Noah curriculum is like gonna be the revolution for the kids in the next generation it's what we need so thank you for your work and your commitment to your Sadna, and lots of love thank you so much this was fantastic thanks for listening to this episode if you enjoyed what you heard please leave a review it really helps the show reach more people If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groshler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.